and I had this anthem where I wanted to communicate for life change. I was on a personal journey where I wanted to grow as an individual. And as I was just kind of ambitiously pursuing uh, that way, I wanted to invite other men and women along my journey as well and be like, hey, come on, let's grow together. Welcome to another episode of The Empire Show. I'm Bedros Koulian, and today we have a very awesome guest with us. He is the warrior poet. He is John Lovell, and he is a former Army Ranger. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Where am I, am I looking here? Because you kind of went back and forth. Where, where is everybody hanging out? Yeah, everyone's hanging out right here. It's two dudes okay. sitting at a bar having coffee, but I like Sorry. to address the camera here and there. And if you want to address the camera here and there, that will be your camera right there. Hey, guys. Yes, indeed. And you are at the Fit Body HQ. Thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Exciting yeah. stuff. You got a pretty cool place. How do you like California so far? I love the look of California and I love the people of California. I think your laws suck. Mm. And uh, I enjoy a freer state. Y'all gotcha. should join us. But we, California we is awesome in many other respects. So if John Lovell was governor of California, what's the first thing he would do? I'd protect the First and Second Amendment and everywhere that it's been chipped away and then i'll probably let businesses be able to keep more of their money and freedom mm. and i'd like that as well but uh, I, I think more free the best person to take care of you isn't the government it's you how about and that? so i'd like you to f to free you up to do that that's but I, I wasn't a famous actor i wasn't in predator sure. i wasn't so I don't think I'm qualified. Yeah, well, neither is your belief system. Your belief systems no. alone aren't qualified to make you governor in California. But to that point, um, you were obviously a protector of our freedom. You went to war for us, and thank you for your service. Appreciate yeah, for sure. you for that. As someone who's an immigrant to this country, I have the utmost respect for our men and women who go to battle because my father had probably many choices to escape to when we escaped communism, but he chose the United States for that single reason. And he told me so that we have men and women that are willing to die for our constitutional rights. Right. And uh, that's not available anywhere else. So what, let's kind of just dive into a little synopsis of who you are and what you do. You, you went into the army and became an, a ranger. Right. Uh, but today, you have a very different thing you do. You have a YouTube channel, you've got a platform, and you teach, you teach folks how to protect themselves right. with weapons. But you also have this ethos that you live by, which I love because it's very congruent with the project, Modern Day Night Project, which is the warrior, e warrior poet ethos. What's, what's that about? Sure, so I didn't want to go off to Afghanistan and Iraq, succeed at war just to come back and fail at life. Mm. And so I, I'm, I'm a man of balance. I believe that the measure of a man and the measure of a human really is balance, right? And I find within myself two kind of different pulls. One is to be uh, bold and courageous, to be fierce, to be a good protector. I mean, that's written in my bones. I know it is in yours as well. But then there's also the other pieces of life where I need to be able to be gentle and emotionally available to my kids uh, romantic with the wife and sensitive to her. And so I realized if, if I'm just kind of the tough guy and I'm not this, everything is going to fall apart. Sure. I'll impress some, you know, uh, 
chest beating sure. buddies and, and stuff like yeah yeah yeah, sure. yeah but then you suck at life man <laughs> yeah. your marriage falls apart yeah. your businesses crash and you have no real idea what's going on and you realize you're kind of a failure of a man we got to be able to balance ourselves and so our ethos is one of balance where we aspire to be lions and lambs not 50 50 not 60 40 but 100 percent lion 100 percent lamb uh and so the false dilemma uh, of lover or fighter is just that. It's a false dilemma. Don't answer. I'm like, no, no, no. Be a lover and a fighter. And sure. if you fall short on either one, that's a failure point. You got to grow in and uh, grow into that and become better. So lover and fighter, lion, lamb, warrior and poet. Mm. And so that's that's the idea. You are so majestic, just oh, like that beard. Oh, come on. You want to just give it a... <laughs> I'm just going to stay away. A lot of people ask to touch it. I, I just... Yeah. No, I'm going to run my fingers through it afterwards <laughs> once we stop recording. I'm real uncomfortable. I know I started the joke, but... Uh... John, so as you, as you articulate that so well, and one of the reasons I reached out to you is that I believe people who can draw a clear word picture, great communicators, I believe, are far more powerful than an army of people with weapons, rifles, whatever. And I think we should all be armed. I love our Second Amendment. It's why we're here in the United States. Where did you learn to speak so well? Because the Empire podcast, one, I want to get to know you and I want our folks to know you, but I want our hundreds of thousands who listen and watch this show to also understand what it takes to succeed in business. You succeeded in battle and you are massively succeeding in business right now and, and in your family. And I believe communication is a big piece. Were you always a great communicator? No, I wasn't. And people just always shocked to hear this, but I learned how to teach on the mission field as a Christian missionary. And so for years, my job daily was communication. And so I made an art of it, a study of it, looked at other communicators that I wanted to emulate. And I really grew in that respect. And I went into just years of exhaustive study. I just read books all day, 10 hours a day for years. Mm. Uh, and so... That's where I really learned how to communicate and reach people where they were at. And I had this anthem where I wanted to communicate for life change. I was on a personal journey where I wanted to grow as an individual. And as I was just kind of ambitiously pursuing uh, that way, I wanted to invite other men and women along my journey as well and be like, hey, come on, let's grow together. And so that's that's how I roll, bro. You're such a storyteller, and I love if we had if we tied your hands about forty percent of your communication. I wouldn't be able to speak. <laughs> I couldn't speak. You straight. It would be like gagging just, you. Um, word words words are good. Words are good. I good at I good at words. <laughs> you got good at words. The began to drag immediately. All right, so so you, you have a very interesting uh, channel, Warrior Poet Channel on YouTube, um, and currently you're fighting big media, not directly in court per se, but they are stripping away your and others right to free speech of of pistols of rifles of second amendment of how to protect yourself right. and how do you feel about that how's that working for you so i wouldn't call it much of a fight we're just getting busted oh, up and we're kind of yeah. like just we're like surrounded by enemy and we're just trying to keep a low profile sure. but the more we grow the harder that is yeah. in our free speech it's not that i'm not allowed to say what i, I want it's that uh, some of the big tech platforms are acting like publishers, but have the legal protections of a platform. So it's not kind of like your business where you're subject to anti-discrimination 
uh, laws, they get to operate however they want, suppress the views that they don't want with no accountability and legal protections mm. by the government. So if the government did something and infringed upon my rights, I could sue the government, but I'm not able to sue big tech. I have no recourse. If they want to shadow ban, this is something that happens every single day. It's happening right now. Big tech is going through and unsubscribing people from our channel. And so people resubscribe and they say, hey, truly, I did not unsubscribe. I'm like, yeah, I'm used to it. It's been happening for a long time now. Or they just don't notify you when I post videos. You'll uh, go to subscribe. You'll toggle notifications bell to all, and then you just won't get them. Hmm. especially if it's something that's really antithetical to the narrative that big tech wants to push. And so what is that narrative and why are they trying to silence a message from you? I think it doesn't fit their worldview and ideology. I'm one of, I mean, I, I really like traditional values. I think to look back on all human history for thousands of years and say, you got everything wrong, progressivism, let's throw, let's burn everything down and recreate a new utopia. I'm like, man, this has been tried so many times and always ends in terrible blood and freedom being stripped away. And so I think traditional values, I want to protect the right to life, the right to free speech. I would like the right to protect myself and bear arms. And so... Yeah, I, I want small government. I think it's uh, Dennis Prager who says, when government's big, the, hu the person is small. Mm. When government's small, then the person is big. You Indeed. have freedoms. And so I think that's all antithetical to the leftism that's pervading Hollywood, the media, big tech, academia. They kind of own it all. Do they have an agenda? Yeah, of course. Everyone's got an agenda. What's got the agenda? One. I, I got an agenda. Sure, I've got I don't an agenda. know. You answer the question. Uh, well, I'd like to hear your opinion. You're on our show, and I'd like to hear your opinion. Well, I think uh, we need to beware the psychologist fallacy, and that's why I have no bias. I have no agenda, but everyone else. Everyone's got an agenda. Sure. And that's okay. Just be forthright. So, for instance, journalism, since that's one of the areas that I brought up, journalists are supposed to take their own individual bias muscle it down every single time they go to work and just report the news. Here's the facts, and let me not twist to lead you to my bygone conclusions, but when you watch different news networks, say you have something like The Daily Wire, which mm -hmm. is conservative, or you have CNN, and they're reporting the same events, it looks so wildly different. And if you tell me where you get your news, I'll tell you how you see the world. Yeah. Because it's just that obvious. If you watch nothing but CNN, these are your new values. This is how you see the world. And these are your thoughts. And we become so monolithic just based on our news sources when it's supposed to be shelve your activism, just report the news, let the people decide. But everything's ideologically driven now. Mm. You just hit on a point that we constantly drive home on The Empire Show. Guys and gals, you know this to be true. We talk about the thoughts that occupy your mind and the people that you surround yourself determine your outcome and your belief system. That's great. And you just said, you tell me your outlet of news and I'll effectively tell you what your belief system is. Right. Because those news platforms, whether they're social media, whether they're print media, television media, radio media are ultimately molding, finagling your belief systems. Right. And when we have two different platforms reporting on the same news in a very polarizing way, I believe all journalism is dead. I think so. Yeah. And I share that with you because you're like, wait a minute, Bedros, you're just supposed to help us grow our business and make more money. I also want you to keep more of that money so that you can donate to the causes you believe in. And by the way, if you don't have a cause that you believe in, 
Shriner Children's Hospital. So I'm a big believer in Shriner Children's Hospital. For the last 11 years, we've been donating multiple millions of dollars to Shriners. And um, it's something that I believe in. And when I, when I think about how I use my money for good, in the definition that I see good, a hospital that helps families whose kids have medical conditions that the families can't afford. And now I'm gonna get taxed more if the administration who thinks they won, if the Biden administration goes into power. Well, I'm not a complainer. My job as an entrepreneur, free market capitalist is to make more money. I do realize that I can do less good if I allow these fools to take more of my money. And so let's shift gears for a moment and talk about that. Um, you know, as a army ranger, you go into the military to serve because you, I imagine, I can't put words in your mouth, maybe you'll tell me, but you have a higher calling. Why, why did you go into the army? And I had a hundred reasons looking back. Now it just looks like Providence shifted me there and uh, it's great, but I mean, uh, every boy dreams of special operations, whatever. Sure. I just was kind of a man child that never really matured out of like, nah, kid, go get a real job. I was like, nope, I want to do cool stuff and jump out of helicopters and stuff. And so that's what I did. Right. There's a part of me that never grew up and was bold and stupid enough to try it and then not quit and make it. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen so, to that. So, so to that point, you, you weren't necessarily getting paid handsomely to go do that job. It was an experience and it was a calling, sure, is yeah. what I'm hearing you say. Uh, but you made this pivot into entrepreneurship. And I want our audience to know that if you think like, hey, man, my industry is weird. If you're in the CBD world right now, you're in, you're in the, some industry where, well, I can't run ads. I can't run Facebook ads for my industry. Like this dude's in an industry that big tech is trying to silence. Yeah. And you're finding creative ways to grow your platform. So I want to kind of shift gears how you went from working in our military for our citizens to being self-employed and being an entrepreneur and in, a, in a space that is being silenced because our Second Amendment is being eroded right now. What, what, what makes you decide that I'm going to create a business and um, grow this thing online? Why online? Is that how it started? Uh, yeah, sure. So really, it was kind of cooped up. I was doing the training thing. So I was tactical trained, do a lot of night vision and low light stuff, mainly for tactical teams. Uh, but I was kind of holed up in a building without windows, more depressed than I knew. And uh, I was a guy with a message and no one to even really interact with. And that sucked. And so I ended up getting into social media because, I don't know, it's just a, a way where I could hit a lot of different folks. And so that's the avenue I went. Effectively, you chose to become an entrepreneur right. and grow on social media. Right. How do you do it in a, with a market of guns and pistols and training and all the things big tech doesn't want you to talk about? So I think there's principles, like if I was doing room clearing, there's a principle of gaining advantage in, over an adversary in timing, positioning, and psychology. In effect, tactics. Uh, but the techniques of how I can accomplish tactical advantages can shift and change. A lot of veterans may get out and they know their esprit de corps, their culture, and the techniques of leadership style that work very well in the military with a captive audience that can't quit sure. and you exercise full control. Then you shift into a civilian populace and it's so easy to look at the civilians with some contempt because you readily recognize certain weaknesses that you didn't have to experience in the military. Sure. And, and people can get bottlenecked in and they isolate themselves after service from friends, 
and from coworkers, and it can be almost this wall that if you don't tear it down, no one else can. And each year in your bitterness that the world is not as you knew it in the desert, you add another brick to that wall and really you're building a barrier to your own success. And you got to recognize, no, the mission has changed. The battlefield has changed and the dudes to my left and right have also changed. And you can't lead with the same techniques in the business world. You can lead with the same principles in the business world. Sure. Like, I, I want to be inspired, man. And, and by the way, what I just said, I could push back on that a little bit, but generally speaking, I think that's true. Anyway, principally, I want to be inspired. I want to know that I'm being taken care of. I want to know uh, that there's direction. I want to know that I'm belonging to something bigger than myself. And those are just a few little ideals. But how I communicate that vision has got to be a little bit softer and diplomatic to employ. And if I can't make that change, I'm going to be my own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really have a bit of a, a come to Jesus in that you couldn't treat people the same way as you did in the military. And I also have to be real quick to forgive the certain weaknesses of civilians in terms of how they're put together. What, what weaknesses do you see? Let's talk about that for a moment. Let's sure. just be fully transparent. Sure, and and, and I don't mean it that, that in a condescending way. I right. mean, also in the civilian world, they've got absolute strengths as well. Just to understand when I say weaknesses and strengths, it's purely just a cultural thing and not like an identity kind right. of thing. Uh, I guess what I mean, like for instance, in the military, if we say, hey, be here at eight o'clock, then you show up at 7.45 no chance I'm going to show up at 810 and be like, hey guys, what's up? With no apology or explanation. And that was unheard of for me, you know? And then people would sit around kind of in college. I remember this after I got out of the military, I went back to college, got a degree. Folks would just waste huge amounts of time and they, they wouldn't live a disciplined life mm. and they weren't really playing. It was almost like we had extended adolescence and everyone was just kind of sitting on the field. And I'm kind of like, on the sidelines, I'm like, come on, guys, let's let's get out and do something. Grow up. Uh, and, you know, a lot of them were friends. So I'm not throwing stones or anything, but th there seemed to be a, a lack of urgency or a lack of discipline in some areas. By the way, veterans are extremely uh, disciplined in some areas and not disciplined at all in others. And so uh, I, I want to be careful to, I know, requalify the fact that uh, I'm not talking identity here, I'm just talking about the culture sure. of the military is different than the culture of the civilian world. And the civilian world, there's no hope in bending the culture of your civilian sphere into one of the military. And to try to do that swimming upstream against the current is just gonna leave everyone really upset. And so you gotta improvise, adapt, overcome, and uh, meet everyone where they're at. And if you don't, you're gonna fail. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so to that point, as you now are building a team right. for your business, I can't imagine everybody comes from the military world who works on your team. No. In fact, most are probably civilian. Correct. Yeah. And so how do you lead them with the weaknesses that civilians have? And again, when we say the weaknesses, we talk about the cultural weaknesses that simply right. were installed through college, through mom and dad who just raised them average or mediocre or whatever. And That's great. How do you lead these young men and women that are very different from the culture that you come from? Um, I think first off, I start with a vision. What do I want to accomplish? What, what, what's the need? And you start with a vision. And then the next thing after I look out, I look in and say, what are my strengths? And then, oh, this sucks. What are my weaknesses? And so my goal was to find folks to partner with and immediately build a team that was strong where I was weak. And mm -hmm. so I've got some uh, 
dudes around me, extremely competent dudes who are strong where I'm weak, lest my you know business and our society, the sure. illustrious goal we have in building the Warrior Poet Society, inherits my weaknesses, and I don't want that. I've uh, heard it said, somebody said, weird teams make good teams. Yep. And it's a little bit upsetting because in some ways I'm kind of like, I got a plan, everyone follow behind, we're charging this bunker, so to speak, and I know exactly how to do that. But then I'll fight with my own team, and uh, they kind of are in a, can be a little bit of an anchor or a brake pedal in some ways, and a gas pedal in others. And we end up making far better decisions than if I just had my way. Sure. And so, man, somebody to be able to pump the brakes on this driver is so critical. And uh, I, I just glory in the fact that my team rocks and they really help balance me out and if i didn't recognize that man i'm gonna i'm uh, i'll make some progress and then immediately torpedo myself and have myself to blame and i probably won't even realize it sure. so um it's it's the team that's really pushing everything along yeah. and helping and growing and together we can do a lot and alone i'm so hamstrung and with a team like that who's competent, as you said, a weird team makes a great team. And the first thing you shared as you did this, you said, I have a very clear vision. Right. How does one define their vision? We were talking about that in the truck last night as we were driving back from dinner. From uh, So guys and gals, yesterday was the graduation of class 006 of the project 19. Actually, get this. Let's just divert for a moment. We'll Let's come back to... Uh, We'll come back to vision because I think you can really speak on, on this topic. 22 dudes signed up for the project. 19 showed up, 12 graduated after the 75 hour experience. And I always look at it as 22 dudes were sitting in the bleachers. 19 of them came onto the field. Of the 19, 12 really put out the effort. And I often wonder why this happens and you're a thinker, a poet, and perhaps you can shed some light on this because every class, in every single class, we have X number of sign up and then there's the excuses that happened the week before. That 22 that dwindled down to 19, it's always the week before. Hey, something happened, something, uh, someone's sick, uh, possibly afraid of COVID all of a sudden, and I can't figure out why. What's the mindset there? Is that self-sabotage? Yeah, we're all self-destructing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we're all our own worst enemies. And we all know what we should do and what we want to do. And then I think you had said it yesterday where we, uh, you're talking yourself out of it. What, what's the words you used? Negotiating your way out of things. Negotiating your way out of it. It's like, I know how to eat healthy. Everyone out there knows what you should and shouldn't eat, but you ate the donut anyway because you wanted it. And so it turns out, mm. despite how robotic we'd like to think we are, uh, we're not rational creatures. We're carnal creatures that are capable of rationality. And so kind of recognizing that fatal flaw, we're all Dr. Frankenstein creating our own monster. And that monster's us, too. Ain't that the truth. So how and do we so, manage the monster? Yeah, fantastic uh, question. Uh, since and this is at first, but I just mentioned a team can actually really help recognizing, man, I can be better with a team. Me and you, we're stronger together than either one of us could be apart. Mm -hmm. And I think we're built for those relationships and that's a, a, that's a, a big piece. I think character is another uh, really important one. Whether you can quit, whether that's even in your DNA. Man, there's so many times just going through a real tough training that I, I planned on quitting. I, I, I was quitting. 
And I just said, as soon as I get up to that, I'm done. I'm done with this crap. And then I get up there and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And then I'm like, next hill for sure. I'm going to quit. I mm -hmm. quit a bunch. Mm -hmm. I never actually, did actually it. could sure. do the thing. Uh, and I think it was part of a weird mix of uh, courage that I had and also a little bit of cowardice that I had as well, where I didn't want to, I couldn't do it. Uh, and so some of it is just kind of that innate drive. I think character as well, uh, so that it's not just internal character. I, I think character is something that can be grown by God as Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Uh, and I'm like, that, uh, and regardless of who you know, believes what, this is me, I get to do me, and if you disagree, I don't really care because I'm doing me. Uh, but I, I believe that seeing Jesus' example and trying to grow into him, he's the ultimate warrior poet to me, who's who I want to be with, the guy who split time in two, that's who I want to be like. And so uh, it, it's really him that drives me to, to be better and, and makes me better. But without that character, your business is going to suck. Your marriage is going to suck. And so all of it grows from that root. And I, man, I'm fatally flawed, but I'm trying to get a little bit better uh, here. But I think it, it does boil down to character, your courage as mm -hmm. well. It's, it's your character. It said it was unfortunate a little while ago where I said, tell me the news that you listen to and I'll tell you how you see the world. It's kind of that. It shouldn't be that way. What should define how you see the world is your theology and your philosophy, whatever that is. That's how that's that's sure. kind of defines you. Yeah. And then uh, your character as well. So when someone is missing a developed character, they don't have Jesus to model after. They don't have whoever Buddha to model after. Whatever your source of the higher power is. You become a rudder, rudderless ship or a plank going down a river, do you not? And therefore, whatever direction the current takes you is truly becoming your belief system. Yeah, I think so. And so you said core values. I think a great piece of character is core values, to know that what are negotiables and what are non-negotiables for you. There are certain things that are non-negotiables in my life, and I live by those. You asked me yesterday in the truck as we we're heading back from that graduation dinner, hey, what time do you wake up? And it's 5.37 days a week. Because the mo I found for me, for me, the moment I wake up, allow myself to sleep, let's say on Sunday till 7 a.m., my body's circadian rhythm and my mental state has accepted a little bit of weakness and therefore Monday I'm gonna wake, wanna wake up a little bit later. And so the consistency for me, I'm like that German shepherd dog, I need consistency. I need something to, a bone to chase every single day. The moment I don't, the slippery slope begins for me. So I've got core values that I live by. And we were talking about core values. He was telling me, hey, I've got a very clear vision of the values that I have, the vision that I have for my business. The vision and values are very congruent, by the way, because if you're very clear on your vision, then I have a set of rules, values that I can live by and no one can sway me. So right. what is the vision that you developed for Warrior Poet? How did you develop that? And how do you share that with a team who might have a very different vision? For sure. And, and there is a difference. For me, uh, I, I went the Jesus route. Some of you hated for it. Uh, we're almost done with that. But that's me kind of personally, Christian. There, there. Sure. But the society is not a yeah. Christian movement. Instead, it's very simple. You live for higher purpose. 
you get to define that, but you live for higher purpose, something bigger than you, and you're ready to sacrifice in the defense of others. And that's it. That's the whole deal. That's warrior poet, and that stretches back thousands of years mm -hmm. where other people were kind of using similar terms. I'm just the one that trademarked it in the 21st century. Sure. Right? But that's kind of the ethos. Live for higher purpose, ready to sacrifice in the defense of others. And I wanted it really broad, recognizing there are different theological expressions or atheistic expressions, whatever. But if you can meet those basic criteria. And so what it, it, what it is, is it, it's basically declaring, I'll live a life of courage and sacrifice and significance. And that's the non-negotiables. And if you, if, if you can't agree to that creed, that's okay. You're just not one of us. Uh, but Makes that's sense. that's what we are as okay. a society. So it's real broad and room for a lot of different expressions of faith or even faithlessness. Okay, so let's talk about that for a moment. Is that then the filter that you use during your interviews when you're hiring employees to work for the Warrior Poet Society? In other words, if I'm going to be a web developer or a video guy, I need to have those skills plus have these values. So we have our own code of conduct and our values. And so it's a little bit more on, we sense that you're close enough, uh, but you know what kind of culture you're entering, sure. right? And so it's more of like that. So when it ends up being an information systems guy who's gonna be quiet at a computer, doing cool things with code, looking at the matrix and a bunch of stuff I don't understand, I don't need him to toe the exact line, but I do want some baseline of character, of work ethic, and that's kind of the stuff. Uh, and so there's who we're communicating to, the warrior poets out there, who we're really after. And my business is more about having all the systems in place to serve the warrior poets, sure. right? Now, when I have a trainer or something, it's more important to me that they really model that ethos as well. But uh, so... So let's talk about that for a moment. You, when we were talking about in the truck, you said, hey, I'm looking for trainers. There's five specific things I'm looking for. When, when he says trainers, guys, I know many of you are from the fitness industry since you follow me, not trainers in a gym lifting weights, but trainers on a, I guess, in a, in a, in a course at a range, at a shooting range. I teach gunfighting, right. so not just firearms. That's not a good, I don't teach guns. I teach how to survive ambushes in a civilian right, Let me just say, you know that sounds cool. When you go, I teach gunfighting. I do. do that. That's the best word. Like, how do and I so, say that, Ed? How do I do that? I teach gunfighting. I don't. I teach making money. It's not as cool. That does sound kind of cool. Everyone's out like, nope, nope, money sounds cool. Everyone Even out right your there. Beard, your beard did a thing when you said that. It, <laughs> it's like your beard winked to the camera when you... <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. How yeah, do I do so, that? Uh, some people will be like, I'm a firearms instructor. I'm like, I'm definitely not that because we're teaching how to actually fight with the gun. The gun is just kind of the prop. It's the tool that you use. But if you're in the wrong place, wrong uh, time, wrong situation, then you're on the X being ambushed. You could be an amazing shooter and still get crushed. And so we're integrating civilian tactics and law enforcement tactics with your weapon system to be able to make a fighter. And so martial arts going to come into that as well. So I'll travel the country and I'm teaching gunfighting, and my other instructors are doing something very similar, uh, moving into more specified areas of that big idea. Sure, but having John Lovell travel the country, and I know we're going from like, just talking about personal life and, 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 and ethos to business, but that's what we do here at, at the Empire Show. When we see on the Warrior Poet 
Network, which I'm a member of. I'm a paying member of the Warrior Poet Network. Y'all should definitely sign up to it. Thanks, That's bro. not a paid plug. That's just there because. And I'm a subscriber to your YouTube channel. I tend to fall in love with John Lovell. And I'm like, this cat's funny. He's got goofy dad jokes. And uh, he is a master at his craft. Thanks, man. And then if I'm looking to go to a training, I'm probably gonna look for John to show up and train me. Sure. And you're looking for trainers out there. And, and I share this because many of the people that I coach and consult in their businesses and many of our viewers and listeners here are in that place where how do I duplicate myself? How do I scale myself without sure. having to be everywhere and neglect my family or my health right. because I have to fly somewhere and train or coach or mentor? So what do you look for? How do you transition to saying, hey guys, I'm not gonna be running this course, someone else's, but you're in good hands? Sure, I've gotten a ton of resumes and I've been real slow to hire because I'm extremely picky. When folks see warrior poet class, they expect a real high quality and I can't mm -hmm. betray that trust. So one thing is we'll delineate it on the website. You'll know when someone else is teaching a class versus when I'm teaching it. So that's important as well, meaning you're not gonna think you're hanging in with me sure. and then you show up and I'm not there. You know so. where you see that a lot of, right? When you, uh, hey, I'm gonna teach you how to buy real estate. My name is Bob Smith. You see the infomercials and then yeah. you show up to the Sheraton with your friend for $99 and it's- Larry awesome. with a comb over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Asking for credit cards, yeah. So you're not doing that. No. No, uh, thanks for uh, not doing that. No, right. no, 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 that, I find it disingenuous. <laughs> right. uh, no, so, so they would they would know uh, and uh, they get a price break when it's not me as well. Sure. It'd be great, but it's still going to be stuff that I've vetted and I've approved and this is the stuff and you're going to have a really good instructor. So returning to the five things, the first thing that I require in one of our instructors is they have to have just a master ability to communicate. Mm. I'm more interested in how good of a communicator you are. People should want to listen to you. And when you speak, they want you to keep going. And if you don't have that piece, that uh, charisma, that ability to hold a group of people's attention and to quickly relay points in ways that make sense to your audience. If you don't have that, I can't do anything with you for a most of our classes. So yeah. master communicator. Uh, second is I want a world, real world resume. If you're teaching competitive shooting, you've got a competitive shooting title. If you're teaching gunfighting, you've been in gunfights, you know, like, so you need to be it. Nobody wants to learn how to get in shape from a morbidly obese sure. slob. And right. so if you if you don't have the, the real world experience, I'm not interested. So you're looking for dudes who can be masters of communication so far and have been in gunfights. If you're teaching a gunfighting course, yeah. Got it. So, I mean, if like it's a martial arts class, I don't need you to be Correct. in a gunfight class anymore. So yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, it, whatever you're teaching, you actually have a real world resume that supports what you're teaching. Mm -hmm. So it's not just theory. It's, I remember doing that mm -hmm. as well, theory mm -hmm. plus experience. So there's those two pieces. Uh, a third thing is they have to be able to be highly proficient in the skill. Meaning like when you get up and you do your thing, whether I'm doing a three count draw stroke or transitions or rapid fire, I can perform consistently on demand in a way that looks pretty magical to the students. They're like, all right, he can do it. And so I, I, I need that third thing. A fourth thing is they have that coach's eye. 
where they, they can look at you in just a glimpse, know exactly what you're doing wrong. This is going to really resonate with a lot of the fitness crowd out there coaching uh, heavy lifts or sure. something uh, like that. But you can immediately see what's going on and you can use the correct measure of carrot and stick to be able to motivate that person, not to belittle, not to shame, but also not to pamper. A correct measure of uh, carrot and uh, stick uh, to be able to pull that off. And uh, I'm missing a, a fifth. I rattled fifth. them off in the yeah, I in the been truck. Recording. So Why was I driving? I should have been recording. Now I can't. Oh, I've got to put it in the. Let's walk through this together. We're two grown men. We could do this. Let's. Uh, so the first thing was you got to be a master communicator. Second thing was that you've got to be great at the craft that you say you are. Third thing was you've got to present magically. Fourth thing was you have to have a coach's eye. Yeah. And the fifth thing is. John, this oh, is, yeah, this yeah, is this, where you go, John. Yeah, I got it, I got, oh, it, I okay, got it, I got it. And last night in the truck, it was the, num the second one I listed off. And that's you have our ethos. Bingo. That's the one, right. that's the one. And right. I never missed that one, right. but we've been talking about the yeah. ethos thing for a lot of this uh, part. I, I don't want somebody who likes what we're doing. I, like, I want somebody that's totally invested of like, man, I, I feel it, I feel it come out of you of like that that's in your bones of like you, you feel the warrior poet message mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and so you 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 embody that yeah guys make no mistake about it we've talked about this episode after episode after episode whether it was tim grover who was here or tom billiu at mylet your people are your product. And at the end of the day, if you're the face of the business and then your people are gonna serve your customers, they better have the core values, ethos, training, experience. Otherwise, you look like a fake phony imposter, right? Good. That's good, I like that. And it might take 20 years to build your reputation. It'll take 20 minutes to ruin that reputation Absolutely. when you bring the wrong trainer, coach, employee, counselor, whatever it is that you do, um, when you put them up front in your business. So we talked about obviously your transition there from military into a, an entrepreneur. Uh, I wanna touch on something because I'm not a believer of having business partners. You have a business partner right. and our audience should hear all sides of it. I've had business partners before. I learned that I play well by myself yeah. uh, where business is concerned. I've got an amazing team and I could not do any of the seven companies without the team, but I can be the only chef in the kitchen. You've got a business partner, Evan. Mm -hmm. Tell me more. Yeah, so Evan and I go way back, uh, met him back in 05, so coming up on 15 years yeah. or so. Anyway, uh, yeah, and he's literally, I was talking about the Enneagram stuff with you last yeah, night. Enneagram, right. it's like a personality thing that ranks you of like, you may be a number three and I'm a number six or eight or nine or whatever. Uh, but it was funny, we both did these personality tests and the three I ranked highest for was literally his lowest and his highest were my lowest. And then it even said in the kind of uh, the subtext regarding these personality traits that this guy drives this guy nuts and vice versa. Yeah, and yeah. so there is tension. He literally, he's just my opposite. He sees his perspective as completely different. Now we still have the same values. We have the same ethos, but our backgrounds and how we kind of like how we're put together is completely different. Mm. Uh, and, and I think uh, us just being great friends, he was best man in my wedding uh, 14 years ago. Sure. And so, I mean, like, you know, it's, uh, it's our mutual affection that can kind of pull that together, yeah. but also recognizing, man, the way I see the world is not the absolute truth. And that's going to, especially, 
I know you're probably a lot like me of like, I see it so clearly. I don't know why anyone else doesn't. Sure. There it is. Quit slacking off, quit making excuses, execute. And that's kind of how I'd want to do it. But there's so many little potholes along the way that I glory in heaven to help me slow down enough to, to be able to hit that. I can make a decision on a diamond. Usually it's a pretty good one. I feel it in my gut, but I can also analyze and, and see the field. But uh, he, he really helps balance me out in a very healthy way. It means I move a little slower on some stuff, mm -hmm. but our decisions are always better. It's, it's a healthier way for me to grow. The big problem is if a person, if your personality or if your relationship fails, now your business is torpedoed. So you're kind of betting it all on your relationship. Sure. And, and so, so what do you do to keep that relationship healthy with Evan? Uh, so all relationships need lots of communication, lots of work and lots of forgiveness and grace. And if you're not capable of lots of forgiveness, giving people the benefit of the doubt, cutting them some slack, and also uh, kind of trying to outgive them rather than the barter thing. This is sure. why a lot of marriages fail too, is because people think of it like a contract. It's like, listen, if you make me happy and you love me, I'll make you happy and love you back. If you take out the trash, I'll do the dish. And so it's kind of this barter exchange where secretly you're keeping, listen to this guys, mm -hmm. this is so, so good. If you're keeping tabs on are they putting in what I'm putting in? You're always, after a certain amount of time, gonna become bitter when you feel any bit of sure. disparity. And it starts breeding that bitterness and that contempt. Instead, what you wanna do is overgive each other and keep no record. And you're like, can't you be wronged by that? And I'm like, absolutely. And just let, you know, and into some ways that's, I'm not talking about laying down in traffic and let somebody beat you up or take advantage of. I'm just saying, be generous in spirit and when they're generous in spirit back and you're both just kind of hooking each other up that can work really well and that's the only thing that works in a marriage too mm -hmm. that's vibrant and growing i think is it's not a contract it's a covenant and that means i'll love you for better or for worse whether you get super sick and paralyzed uh whether you were crazy broke and can't pay any bills uh whether you get ugly i'm gonna love you no matter what and that's the vows in sickness and in health, for better sure. or for worse, for rich or for poor. It's a covenant. And that means there's no contract. I love you no matter what forever. It's yeah. the most romantic thing that's ever come it out. It truly is. It's come even out of if anything. I will love you, even if. And that same vows in our marriage will transfer into a business partnership. Now, having said I don't have any business partners, I do have one business partner in the Empire Show and the Empire Mastermind that we have, Craig Ballantyne. However, like you and Evan, he's the only business partner that I had known for many years. Yeah grew to love ever way before we became business partners. Yeah. And that I believe is the missing link where two people will meet up and go, hey man, I've got this vision. And you go, well, hey dude, I'll fund it. I've got the money. Yeah. And we don't know each other's work ethic, core values, character, and That's soon scary. the friction begins. Yep. Yeah, the friction begins. And so there's just a message there, guys, success leaves clues and you heard the man say it. You've, you're picking a business partner. If you're just picking them for the money that they bring to the, go get a bank loan. Yeah. Go get a bank loan. If you're picking them because they have a unique skill and their personality, I guess, really builds your inherent weaknesses and your strengths build theirs, there you might have a match, right? Right. Yeah, so what do you do if you, I'm sure there's plenty of times you've disagreed on something sure. or, or the poop hit the fan. How do you guys handle a business disagreement? Well, one thing is we're not 50-50 partners, in which case I can always trump card and be like, I hear it, 
I appreciate it or respect it. We're going to do what I want. Gotcha. Uh, and so well, that's a great lesson right there. Let's let's not just wave on that. Take majority ownership if you yeah. can. Take majority ownership because at the end of the day, someone must have the buck stops with me. Right, and that comes out of my business philosophy, and it's actually more of a life philosophy. I don't believe in 50-50 partnerships. Period. There's one president, and there's one CEO, mm -hmm. there's one head coach, and there's one steering wheel on a car. And, and I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. We don't like that. Uh, in, people freak out because we're the age of feminism. My wife is flourishing 14 years. I mean, we're growing, we're pumped, we're happy. She's joyful. She's where she wants to be. And man, we're, we're, we're killing it. But she's not the leader in the marriage. And we're not 50-50 in leadership either. I'm the leader of our marriage. Mm. Period. Yeah. Send all uh, comments to John Level. Uh, so... <laughs> People are like, no, no our, 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 our people that, know. That's how that. I roll. I'm yeah. the leader in my marriage, right? And uh, so, um, you know, uh, y'all are just going to have to forgive me. So, so I'm going to mention the Jesus thing again. I realize how pissed people get over that. But Jesus, recognizing all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him, uh, took out his outer garment, wrapped around his waist, and washed his disciples' feet. And so similarly, that's how I approach the leadership in my marriage, meaning like I want to spend more on her than I do on me. Sure. I want to take care of her needs first, and I'm going to lead us in a way that I think is most beneficial to our relationship. And she's going to lovingly follow that leadership, which is an incredible feeling of respect. I'm like, wait, you're with me? You, you want it different, but what you'll follow feeling, me? Right? And it's kind of like empowers me of like, try to get at this woman try to get through me of like it, it inspires me to romance you know mm. uh, when she trusts my competency and re and respects my leadership like that when she could bow up get her own way and emotion eventually wear me down emotionally and get her own way i'd be like all right whatever you want whatever you want i just don't want to fight sure and she could do that and she doesn't or she tries that tense that you wrote a relationship that'll destroy it, it. That's, yeah. that'll destroy it and what it is is, is jockeying for control uh, and uh, seeking after my own way, and it just doesn't work. And that's part of the traditional values that we've been talking about as well. And I understand why the uh, the pendulum swing has come over because progressives will look at it like down with the patriarchy. Look at the terrible stuff that's happened. I'm like, yeah, don't don't be harsh or, or mean or or anything like that. Leadership doesn't mean being a jerk. You know, le leadership means taking care of the pe It is servitude. Leadership when, is servitude. When you approach servant leadership, all of a sudden this idea of leading a wife is an amazing thing. And she loves that security. And she loves, you know, seeing a strong leader in front of her, someone that she can follow. She wants that. My wife does. Maybe, you know, whoever's watching, it's all right. You're not married to me, so you don't have to do anything you want. You get to do whatever you want. But in my marriage, this is how it works, and it's working awesome. So, uh, Now, what about you and Evan and your business partnership? Yeah, it's working great. I almost never play that trump card. Almost all, yeah. it, virtually every decision we reach uh, with just that kind of collaboration, it's kind of what made the best idea win. And you and said so, it earlier where you both try and show up as though you each own 100%. And that's the relationship that Craig and I have in this, yeah, that's right? Great. Yeah. Even though we might be 50-50 business partners in the Empire Mastermind Empire show, we both do the work of 100%. Like when I'm super busy with Fit Body Bootcamp and I'm like, hey, Craigie, I just can't create content right now. Right. He's like, dude, don't, don't sweat it. He might knock out 20 shows on his own. Yeah. And 
it, there's never a scorecard being kept, and I yeah. know that, and I don't feel the pressure of that. That's great. Yeah. And so to that point, I think it's important for folks to know where leadership is concerned in business partnership, in marriage, and or leadership itself. You have to exercise, going back to what you said, grace and forgiveness. That's good. Yeah, man. And show up as yeah. a servant. And here's another idea. It's kind of like we have an idea and what we do with all of our ideas is we exalt it on a pedestal and everyone tries to attack it and see if it's still standing at the end. And so we'll have a few of us, whoever's kind of in that team and it may be me and Evan or Evan and you know part of his team that yeah. are, is following under him or whoever the team is, the idea is, nope, there's no more rank. There's the idea and let's attack it and see if it can stand. And if the idea is left standing at the end, maybe we got something. Maybe it's and a good so idea. it's more of let's creatively solve a problem together. And that that kind of that's that's really the special operations community too. Mm -hmm. It's less predicated on who's got the most rank on their caller. It's more of here's the difficulty, let's improvise and adapt, overcome quickly, let's come up with an asymmetric creative solution to solve that problem. May the best idea win. Mm. And so... Uh, Look at you, freedom and capitalism. Hey, you know what, how about it? Mm. <laughs> hey, should every American carry a gun? Um, I don't think so. I mean, if no. you got like a hundred year old dude with dementia and he doesn't have any hands, Probably That's probably a bad example. Sorry. I went to the hyperbole of like, well, you have the should. Um, <laughs> that's such a loaded question. <laughs> loaded. But it's, you know, I, Nailed like, it. I can't, I can't even turn it off. Um, I am a protector. I'm wired that way. And so I want to be able to carry because I want to be able to protect folks out there. And so that's a good thing. I think it's a good idea to uh, be ready to make the world a safer place and uh, be able to stand in the gap and, and defend others. No, no one ever thinks violence is coming to you until it does. And every victim that all of a sudden gets hit up and you see the riots happening and social unrest. Here we're in California and there's been riots and up in Oregon as well, just riots. And sometimes it can all of a sudden, here's your friendly business. And then right outside, they're smashing in windows and maybe assaulting some of your, you never know when violence is going to strike. So the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Makes a whole That's lot of it. sense. And, and, and that shouldn't be shocking. And what you find is the, the cities with the strictest gun laws always have this, the worst gun violence. You know, I, I, uh, there's a city down in Georgia that it is required that every household has a gun. It's a wow. law. It's a law. What's the name of that city? I'm curious. Kennesaw. Kennesaw. Kennesaw, Georgia. And it's, it's a law on the books and it's not really enforced, sure. but it's funny that yeah. it's a law on the books. And the crime rate's in the toilet. Yeah. You know, it turns out bad guys don't want to attack people when they think that they're armed. They just go find a gun-free zone. And that's why 94% of all of the active killer events have happened in gun-free zones. 94%, let's just say that again, 94% of all active killer events have happened in gun-free zones. That's right. Where there was laws established, do not bring your guns. That's right. Because it, the bad guy... Doesn't follow the law. He doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't follow the law. He, he just wants you to. The law. And so it turns out that stripping people of their gun rights really just disarms the good guys. Mm. And then it's open season for bad guys. What do you know? And so, yeah, the gun doesn't kill the person any more than the... 
you know, the per yeah, it, it's the person that, that does the thing. Guns are stupid. They just sit on the desk. If I took my gun off and put it right here, just sit there. It wouldn't do anything. You know, it doesn't just explode. It doesn't go off. People have to do something. And I think of like, right now I'm thinking about the uh, active killer event in nice France where a dude with a van just ran over 86 people. I think yeah. it was 86 people. Yeah. The towers, 9-11 towers, that was 3,000 plus people that were murdered that day. Yeah. And so it, it's not the gun, it's psychological unwellness, Poor it's intentions. rage, yeah. it's that kind of stuff. And there are sickos out there. And a lot of us want to live naively thinking the world is this fluffy cloud care bear place but there's some people out there that truly want you dead isis would murder you in your sleep and it doesn't matter how good of a person you are if like that that's that's what some crazy people out there would just want to do because that's how they're wired and that's what they want to do hmm. so and uh, it's simply because of our ideological views why they'd want to kill you in your sleep yeah. Right. They just don't believe in what we believe in. And therefore, there's men like you sure. who stand in the gap. Yeah. And then even aside from ideological views, there's some people that just want to watch the world burn. Right. Yeah. Oh, Batman. Well, I'll, hell, I'll when the winds from. kick up here in Chino, in Southern California, starts catching fire. Yeah. And it catches fire. And it's like, I know it wasn't like a tree fell over and got sparked on its own. Like someone with really bad intentions and wants to see death and destruction starts lighting hills on fire every time the winds kick up. So we do have people that are out of whack, out of balance. John, what have we not talked about? What should we talk about? Hmm. What am I missing here with John Lovell? Do you have any dad jokes? I, 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 I live on a steady diet of dad jokes. You do. You do. Your dad jokes are actually very... Uh, they are. I'm not very good at powerful. guns or business, but my dad jokes... <laughs> they're very they're, do you have one you can hit us this, with? I always have dad jokes. Come on, I, keep, on I keep them in a dado base. So I always have the... No? It's good? That's a winner. It's good. We're, we're so a lot of don't people edit think, that one out, a, guys. A lot of people think that the dad joke is really about the joke. Mm. But it, it's halfway about the delivery. The delivery. So what you do is you lean in. you got to do the cheesy thing. There's the delivery. Yeah. I keep it in a dado bed. And you see, I, I just leaned in like it was something real profound. And I smiled. And then no one else is going to think it's sure. funny. Your wife will roll her eyes and be like, oh, that's so bad. <laughs> and your kids are like, daddy, that's stupid. But then you wait and you revel in the moment and you're like inviting them and, and then you ask for it. You're like, huh? Huh? Pretty good? Pretty good? And so uh, that, that's part of the delivery. Do you, do you find yourself embarrassing Mrs. Poet with your dad jokes Constantly. around others? It, it's one of my great missions yeah, in life. Yeah. I, I, I warrior poet ethos and business embarrass my family with my dad jokes. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got priorities, man. Yeah, yeah. I, we, I will go completely awkward in restaurants around the wife and kids, and they'll just pucker. I call it, they get they, they pucker. <laughs> and it's all for my entertainment, but when the waitress or yeah. waiter walks away, they all start laughing. Yeah, you're a sociopath. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cheers. Yeah, we have problems, <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. So um, how do people find you? How do they learn about you? Uh, sure, John Lovell in Google or Warrior Poet. Anywhere, you'll, uh, you'll find us quick. Warrior Poet. Warrior Poet. Well, John, thank you so much for spending time with us. And uh, guys and gals, when you watch this episode, do me a favor, take a screenshot, share it on social media, tag myself, Warrior Poet, and of course, John Lovell. And don't forget to tell your mama. We'll see you guys later.